Come on, why would we ever settle for less indeed than knowing we are marked by victory? Good morning, New Spring Church. Every campus, uh, my name is Meredith, if I have not had the chance to meet you yet. And genuinely, it is my absolute, like I don't, I don't even think I can explain to you the honor that it is to get to stand on this concrete platform and open the word of God and just stand in awe over it together. Because truly, that's what, that's what I want to do today. There was a few things that I was gonna do and say to open up today, but this is, I, I just wanted to come up here and like bear my soul and be honest from the get-go. I have felt like such a unique um, joy and expectation over what this message could mean if we allow it to land in our hearts and then produce fruit, truly. We've been walking through the book of Romans 8, which uh, many say is the most important, the most beautiful, the most theology-forming chapter in the entire Bible. And I'm telling you, even today, if you've never read Romans chapter 8, I want to encourage you to go read that chapter at some point today. I'm telling you, whatever you are currently facing, experiencing, there is something in Romans 8 that can deeply encourage you. I mean, this thing is rich, like rich, dark chocolate. You think you've reached the end, it's like, hmm, new flavor. Is the texture that this chapter has. I mean, there's encouragement if you're feeling shame. There's encouragement if you're feeling discouragement. There's encouragement uh, if you're feeling lack of family, if you're feeling overlooked, if you're feeling like you don't have any, any joy, if you feel like, does anyone love me? All of that encouragement is deeply communicated and personally communicated through Romans chapter 8. If you've missed a week of the series, I would highly encourage you to go back and to watch it. But today, we're going to cover two verses in particular in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. So you're going to want to go ahead and get your app open, get a notes app, get a journal, open your Bible, and buckle up because there's a whiteboard out today, which means we're about to get in this word. So go ahead and open those, those up. And before I, even, um, before I even get into reading this, this passage of scripture, I just wanna encourage us with a few things. You know, my goal today is to preach this um, holistically, but there's no way I could preach this text exhaustively. Like for centuries, the most brilliant, educated, um, God-fearing, God-loving men and women have debated and analyzed and interpreted this passage. I mean, for centuries they've been going over this. And I will solve it all in 35 minutes. <laughs> right? Obviously not. I obviously cannot solve centuries of intellectual debate in 35 minutes. But let me tell you what I can do. I can invite us to take this seed of the word that I'm about to give to us today and invite every single person at every single campus to take this, go home, put it in front of the Lord in your own personal time and say, God, I'm bringing it back to you again. Not only form my theology, I need you to give me a holy conviction. As a church, we want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. 
which means hopefully we teach in a way that inspires you to take this home and then work through it with the Holy Spirit every single day. Oh my gosh, I feel it so strong right now. The Holy Spirit desperately wants to spend his every day with you. To guide you, to help, that's why he's called the helper. I don't know about y'all, but I need some help in many areas of my life. Thank God for the promise of Jesus that he has sent us one. So this week, go back, ask the Holy Spirit for help as we dive into the scripture together. Can we do that? Amen. All right, so even with that, that's why the whiteboard is out. Because I understand like sometimes you open the Bible and it's like, cool, what do I do with that? Well, this is my, um, truly if I were to open my journal, this is like a very tame way of what the inside of my journal looks like. The inside of my journal looks a little bit more like a crazy person. There's arrows. There's like, looks like I'm tracking someone when in, I'm really just trying to track what God is doing throughout scripture. And even if you have been wondering, how do I study my Bible? Well, at every single campus, and they're launching it in different seasons and at different times, but we have a how to study the Bible class. And so I'd love to invite you. If you've been curious, how do I study the Bible? Well, you can text classes to New Spring Help Me, 30303. Text the word classes to 30303, or you can stop by guest services and ask about that class today. But in that class, they're going to teach you three things to take the scripture and evaluate, how do I look at this passage? You're going to look at the context, you're going to look at the language, you're going to ask for revelation. You're going to look at the context, you're going to look at the language, you're going to ask for revelation. You're going to look at the context, you're going to look at the language, you're going to ask for revelation. So I've even tried to, this is like a teach within a teach of giving us an outline of how to study scripture and then teaching through how I studied the scripture. Make sense? Yep, clear as mud, beautiful. All right, so now with all that in mind, we're gonna read Romans 8, 28 through 30. And I'm starting with 28 because this is where Brad left off last week. And we know mm, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So with that as our base text, let's walk through these three sections together and see what God wants to reveal to us today. So with that, number one of how do I even study scripture, how do I even get to the bottom of this, is you gotta check the context. Check the context. What does this mean? Well, you gotta ask, who is the original audience? Who is Paul writing to? How does this fit into the wider text? And what is the larger message? Okay, so take a photo of that, write it down. It's in your app. But first, let's look at the audience. We've covered this the past few weeks. Also, I don't know what it is, but when I open like an expo marker, I just feel like something powerful is about to happen. <laughs> I don't know if it's because my mom's a fourth grade teacher, but I'm like, oh yes. Okay, or if I grew up in the school of Brad Cooper and he's just a whiteboard teacher and I love it. Okay, audience, who's the audience? We've covered this the past few weeks, but the book of Romans is written by Paul to the church in Rome. It's there for us, you know? And Caleb's covered this, Brad, Lee, all of them have covered, but basically Paul is preparing the church. You're ready for my, art my artistic skills? I heard a laugh. That's not funny. 
Look at that church. I lead the creative team here. <laughs> I lead the creative team. I don't do it. I just lead the people who make the pretty stuff. He's writing to the church in Rome. And these people are about to undergo severe persecution under the emperor Nero. So we are understanding that he is writing to people who are already saved. They've declared Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And his urgency is to encourage his saved brothers and sisters to prepare them for the persecution that they are about to undergo. This affects tone. This affects content. Y'all know when you're talking to a different audience, you speak differently. You check the content of what you're saying. So the audience matters because it gives us Paul's tone. It gives us his, his context and knowing that he's preparing his brothers and sisters for something. And just as a word of encouragement, I believe through these verses, God is preparing us for something in the room today. So he's speaking to the audience. Now let's look at the wider text. Let me tell you why this is important. So that we don't hand pick one verse, slap it on a football helmet and be like, that's, the, that's what it means. Hey, no disrespect if you've done that. Listen, I was Philippians 4.13 on the eye black with softball in college, okay? It is very um, motivating, but it's important that we know the wider text so we can know what is God actually trying to get, get with in this. So for verses 29 through 30 is actually in this wider text, 18 through 39. Okay, 18 through 28 is what Brad went over last week. 31 through 39 is what um, Dan is going to cover next week. And last week, Brad went over this, but this is all about suffering. Paul knows they are about to suffer under the hands of, of Nero, so he's preparing them for suffering. Then in verses 31 through 39, we see this reaction of rejoicing. That's the one of like, what then can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can, who can be against us? For nothing can separate us from the love of God. So 29 through 30 is like the conclusion of Paul's thought of suffering before this oh, moment of rejoicing. If I could picture Paul over his table, it's like his final furrowed brow of how do I encourage my brothers and sisters to know that they can endure suffering before his, oh my gosh, what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? And that furrowed brow is him really trying to get around this concept of reminding them of what Christ has secured for them in his death, burial, and resurrection. So today my heart is to stir us up by way of reminder, as Peter says in First and Second Peter, of what Christ has secured for us. And that gets us to the larger message, and I'm going to write it in my bigger black marker. Whoops. Fumble on the play. Drop my cap. Oh, this is going to dry out. That's sad. All right. The larger message, and I'm going to write it as big as I can, of the confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. Paul is trying to just instill great confidence for his brothers and sisters, that what Christ started, Christ will sustain and Christ will finish. If Paul's theology had a song, it would be, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What Christ has started, Christ will sustain and Christ will finish. And now I need you all to have confidence with me that I can stand up 
from this knelt position. Did y'all pray? Okay. <laughs> I held in the old person groan. You know what I'm talking about? When you kneel and when you stand up, there's just a little, Ugh. it's like your joints don't quite work like they used to. All right, confidence. So with this in mind, if Paul is trying to instill confidence inside of the wider text to his audience, now the question is how? How does he instill that confidence? And that goes to our language. We got to look at the language. What words does Paul use that I should look into? As you're reading the Bible, look at words that seem unfamiliar or cause questions. The Bible is written in such a way not to solve all of our questions, but actually to invite us to wrestle with it. If you look at something like, well, that doesn't make sense, that's actually on purpose. The Bible's inviting you to wrestle with that passage. So as we look in the language, we see something that we're not maybe familiar with. These words right here, foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. We don't, you know, really use those every day as we're sitting over Chipotle. Maybe you do, but you're smarter than me. So we want to look into this language and what it means. And if you look into this, this is, these words have become what is known as the golden chain of salvation. These words, even as you read the text, are like, they look like they're linked together. Like one is built upon the other. That as these go together, something is formed for us that is unbreakable. That's why I wore all these chains today. Because even in my, this wasn't to be like, you know, Mr. T. This was to, even in the site, to communicate something. I even realized there's five knots on this chain. I didn't do that on purpose. Four new, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Look at that. Also, these are not real gold. <laughs> I'm a pastor. So, these are linked together to form something that is unbreakable for us. So, what is this golden chain of salvation trying to do for us? They are trying to reveal the point and the process of salvation. The golden chain of salvation is revealing to us the point and the process of salvation. So what's the point? Well, the point of our salvation is to be conformed to the image of Christ. The point of our salvation is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Go look at verse 29. It says that he has predestined us to be conformed. What does that mean? It simply means that from the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our life would start to look more and more like the life of Jesus. That when you, oh, please listen. When you receive Jesus, there is something that happened in you where the reality of heaven began to invade your body where we did not just receive salvation in order to get to heaven one day, but now heaven can invade the earth through our hands and our feet, through our prayers, through our service, through our love. As we walk with Jesus the rest of our lives, y'all, should we not look more like the love of Jesus, the service of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the speech of Jesus, the patience of Jesus, the pace of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus. So I just have to ask before we move on, Christian, the longer you have followed Jesus, do you look less kind or more kind? More patient or less patient? more compassionate 
or less compassionate. We are consistently being conformed to something. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may it be Christ. And I'm letting this pause because I feel it in this room, this desire of God for us to be formed to the image of Christ. Now this process can take the rest of our lives. Okay, this is not pressure in this room to be like, I must be conformed to the image of Christ today. Nope, (laughs) this takes time. Conviction, repentance, following him step by step. So what does this process actually look like? And that is the process that I'm talking about here of these words. For the rest of our lives, as we come around this, we are formed into the image of Christ. So I'm going to walk through these one by one. We're going to lead through some beautiful prayer time at the end, then we're going to be done. Everybody good? Great. Number one, for new. What does this mean? This first link in the chain that God knew everything and everyone before the foundation of the world. For new. God knew everything and everyone before the foundation of the world. This foreknowledge, this seeing and knowing character of God is all throughout scripture. But I specifically want to read Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. Let's look at this together. The psalmist says, for you, God, you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. For new, God sees, God knows. Now, pause, time out because I don't just wanna skip over something here. Now, this is not a time, I wanna be very clear. This is not a time to get into um, political debates or personal opinion, but if you wanna know why Christians are so passionate, passionate about protecting the unborn, it's because of verses like this. That as we trust God's word, we believe that from the foundations of the earth, God sees, God knows every human life. God sees, God knows. Is there anything better in this life than being known? Now, many of you may not know this about me. I'm an introvert. Some of you have just learned this about me. You're like, no, you love people. I love you till till I'm done. And then I need to go love me. And I'm telling you, I never feel so known in life as when my friends cancel plans with me. Any introverts say amen? Taylor Bull shaking her head. Because you'd be like, hey, you had a long week. We don't have to hang out tonight. And I'm like, I've never had a better friend than you. <laughs> There's nothing I love than when I don't cancel plans. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. But if a friend knows me, knows I've had a long week and says, hey, girl, I know. You can stay at home and hang out with your plants. And I'm like, God bless you. <laughs> Christians in the room, I want you to know there has never been a time when you are not deeply known and seen by God. Never been a time where you've been overlooked or unplanned for. God foreknew. We gotta keep going. Second link in the chain, predestined. God wrote a plan that he will complete. God wrote a plan that he will complete. Now, remember those points of contestion that I talked about? Contestion, is that a word? Uh, Points of things that have been contested. 
this is one of those words, okay? I went to Anderson University. I was a um, Christian ministry major, and I don't care what we were talking about in class. It always came back around to a debate about predestination. We could be talking about, I don't know, whatever. I could be talking about what I ate that night. And you're like, do you think you were predestined to eat it, or did you choose? And I'm like, I think I just wanted mashed potatoes. I don't know. And listen, I'm not here today to give a full rundown of theology. And some of you, this won't even, you don't even care. Of whether it's reformed theology or free will theology, that's not my job today and we don't have time to get into a debate. Mainly because that is not Paul's point in this passage. Paul is not trying to get us to pick a lane of theology. He is trying to encourage us, if you're a Christian, you have been predestined to be conformed. And I just want to say this one last thing. When it comes to this like, working your theology of what you actually believe about the exact interpretation of what it means to be predestined. If there is not, there is a divine mystery to this word. A beautiful mystery. Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his ways and his ways beyond finding out. There's a divine mystery here. So this is all I'm gonna say about this. If there is no room in your theology for the mystery of God, then there is no room for God to be God. Sit in the wrestling and at the end of the day go, well, I don't know, but I trust God. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. But Paul was not writing to try to convince anyone about anything. I'm not gonna read this whole quote, but J.I. Packer has a quote about this that actually says that when it comes to the sovereignty of God and how we wrestle over it, on our feet we may have arguments, but on our knees in prayer everyone is agreed. We trust God with the sovereignty of salvation. This comes from Psalm 139, the end of verse 16 that I've already read, where it says, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has a plan. He wrote it down. Christian, you can trust what he wrote. And all God's people said, amen. All right, three, called. Called. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God invites people to live within the goodness of his plan. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God invites people to live within the goodness of his plan. Y'all, let's just call a spade a spade. Everything, everywhere, all the time is putting out a call for us. For our satisfaction, for our joy, for our peace, for our identity, for our comfort, for our whatever. And I'm, it can be deafening at times, can it? Has your phone ever been going off so much that you're like, I'm going to throw this into the depths of the sea at Myrtle Beach. And just let whatever happens in the sea at Myrtle Beach happen to my phone. The world can feel the same way, this call consistently going out, but I'm gonna tell you what is clarified, has pierced through every other call for me. I've never heard a call as beautiful as the one that God declares in John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Have you ever heard anything as beautiful as that? Have you ever heard of a love so selfless as that? Something so unconditional as that? And I'm just going to testify to what I've learned about God. The world can now call all it wants to, but I've already answered a call, and so my line is busy. Some of you are too young to know what a busy signal is. But let me tell you, when I was 14 years old and that boy promised to call, mom better get off the phone. Because if he, if he calls and hears beep, 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 I'm like, what if he never calls again? That was my one shot. You know there's a way you can become so obsessed with the presence of Jesus Christ that anything else can try to call, but your proverbial spiritual line is beep, 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 beep. Can't answer. I'm busy. I've gotten consumed by a call that came from God himself. Now, I've had many people ask, how do you know if you're called? And to you, I just want to say, I want to answer from Scripture that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Just answer the call. It instills great confidence in us. Number four in the chain, justified. Justified. God eternally declares the saved as innocent. Come on with this somebody. Now, I'm not going to go too in-depth here because Caleb and Lee both did a beautiful job of outlining, outlining what it means to be justified. You should go back and listen. But I just have to say this. Many of us are still agreeing with an identity that no longer belongs to us. God has declared you innocent. But what about this? No, innocent. But that thing that happened, no, innocent. And many of us, you cannot will yourself to stop sinning. You have to simply disagree with the sin that's trying to convince you that it is your identity and agree with the identity that God speaks over you. You've been justified. Once again, sin calls, beep, beep, not, sorry, justified, too busy. Look at what Psalm 103 says. Thank you, God. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Innocent. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Many of us are so tired simply because we are chasing that thing around the globe. Stop it. He has removed our sin, as far as the east is from the west. You are not your own, you were bought with a price, and that price proves you're innocent. Man, may that bring such confidence to someone at New Spring Church today. You've been justified in Christ. And fifth and final in the chain, glorified. I'm excited about this one, glorified. God will exalt the saved as he exalted Christ making us fully his, fully right, and fully new. I'm asking right now that the Holy Spirit would give us prophetic insight into what that means. Because I'm gonna tell you, 
if we really knew what that meant, that God has promised that one day we would be glorified with him, the hopeful expectation that would invade every heart that has given itself to Jesus Christ. Because you cannot read scripture like Revelation 21, one through five, and not get a sense, a motivating, just filling of your spirit from what this scripture promises to us. Look at this, this is a picture of when Christ returns. God, I'm gonna try my best not to cry, but I make no promises. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. Look, prepared as a bride. What do you think prepared means? We've been conformed. We've been conformed into the image of Christ. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with him and be their God. What's that sound like? It sounds like we're fully his. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That sounds like we've been made fully right. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. See, we will be fully new. I'm telling you, the older I get, the more this is more motivating to me than anything else. Because I only revealed half of the point of salvation earlier. Because this completes the point. The point of our salvation is to be conformed to the image of Christ until we are fully glorified with him. The more I follow Jesus, the more I want to be like him. Because what's not to like? And the more I follow Jesus, the more I'm tired of the glimpses of glory, and I want the full thing. There's like something that I've kind of gotten obsessed with in my life called a glimpse of glory, which sounds like a very like poetic thing to say, but I'm a four on the Enneagram and it is what it is. I like poems. Feels like I should say it with an accent, glimpses of glory. That is what it sounds like. But these glimpses of glory, y'all, are a real motivating thing that I want to invite us to this week and the rest of our lives. Because it is a picture of this final glorification that Paul is talking about. And this glimpse of glory, you know those moments where you wish time would just suspend? It's like when you were a kid and like you were having the best day of your life at the pool. And you're like, I don't want this to end. You know what that is? That is your spirit saying, that's it. That's what future glory is gonna be like. And if we have eyes to see it, they're all over the place. A beautiful sunset that causes you to catch your breath, glimpse of glory. 
the taste of my Mimi's banana pudding, I'm not playing games as a glimpse of glory. You ever gotten a perfectly timed, kind text from a friend? Glimpse of glory. The smell of honeysuckle in the spring is a glimpse of glory. When you're wrapped up in a hug from someone you know is safe, glimpse of glory. You're spending some time in prayer and you just know God's presence is there, glimpse of glory. The first crisp morning of fall, glimpse of glory. The sound of waves crashing on the sea is a glimpse of glory. And every time you feel that, grab it. And say, God, I focus on this glimpse of glory and ask that you would hasten the day where your full glory is revealed. Make me like you until I'm glorified with you. God knows. He's written a plan that we can trust. He's called us to come live within that side, that plan. He's made us right through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and one day he will fully glorify us with him. Tell me something more beautiful than the gospel. You can't. So now we're just gonna bask in the beauty of the gospel. We're gonna get some glimpses of glory to finish our service today because we still have this third and final context, the language. And now we're gonna ask for revelation personally. And I'm gonna lead us through some time of prayer. So a little uh, prayer guide is gonna come up on the screen and I'm gonna invite everyone, get your phone out like a notes app, um, your journal. If you're like, I don't know what the notes app is, send a text, get something to write this down. You can take a picture of this. You can use this as a guide of prayer this week. But there's three ways I wanna lead us in prayer as we close out today. Humble gratitude, conviction, and then I wanna pray a prayer of confidence over us. So first, I'm gonna invite us to write, to pray, to pour out our gratitude to God. Has he saved you? Pour it out, the gratitude that you have. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance moments of provision, that perfectly timed gift. When you didn't know how you were gonna get through when you did, let's just pause, I'm gonna give us about a minute. I'm gonna do this too. And let's give God our humble gratitude. Let's do that now, come on.
Father, I pray right now that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would have reminded every believer in the room just how much we have to be grateful for. And may the rest of our lives sound like a song of thanksgiving, sung right back to you, in Jesus' name. All right, now that we have poured out our thanks to God, we are now going to invite the Holy Spirit to give us beautiful conviction. And let me tell you something. Conviction is a beautiful gift. It says that now the work of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to convict us of our sin, but to convince us of our righteousness. So even look at those three questions. Where am I not allowing myself to be conformed? And maybe even more to that, some of us need to pray today, Holy Spirit, help me to want to be conformed. Maybe the point number one. Give me a heart for the lost. And then that third one, I'm praying for salvation and break out in the room. So let's take the next minute and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and work of our hearts through conviction. Let's pray now. Father, I pray that whatever conviction was stirred in the room, that you would give us the boldness to act on it. For anyone today, God, who has not yet started a relationship with you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that today, if they hear your voice, they would not harden their hearts. It's in Jesus' name. And third and final, we're going to ask the Spirit for some confidence today. Saints, come on. I don't know about you, but the past few years have tried to steal some confidence from me. Can I follow God? Can he be trusted? Am I really supposed to be a preacher? Am I really supposed to do this ministry thing? I'm going to not base any decision on the fear of the world, but on the fear of the Lord, and I'm going to get some confidence. So just as a reminder, what this guy tells us, you've been made his, Christian. That is your identity, son or daughter. You've been made right with God. That's your security. You've been made righteous. And I'm being made new. That's now our lifestyle that we are being conformed into the image of Christ, being made fully new. So if you would, I'm going to invite every campus, would you just stand to your feet? And I'm going to pray a blessing of confidence over us. Wherever you've been feeling weak, I want to just pray confidence. Insecure, you've had questions, I'm just going to bless us. So I'd invite you, if you're willing, would you just put your hands out in front of you like this? I don't presume to know the full mystery of how a blessing works, but the Bible tells us to do it, so I'm going to do it. And trust the Holy Spirit to fill in the gaps. So, Father, I just pray right now a blessing over my brothers and sisters. That we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. 
God, the same power that conquered the grave now lives in every single man and woman who has proclaimed Jesus Christ as Savior. I pray against the schemes of the enemy right now, God, wherever he has been trying to discourage or belittle or manipulate any son or daughter, we just speak death to those lies and life to the truth. And Lord, above all else, I pray confidence that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Teach us how to enjoy you again. What you have started, you will sustain, you will finish. We place our confidence in you and you alone again today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Church, I love you. May you go in confidence today. A a leader from your campus is gonna come out and finish our morning together. Have a great Sunday.